In this episode, we'll talk about dildos. We'll also talk about gender-affirming toys, our favorite stories, advice on using and choosing dildos. We also interview Robbie Hoffman, a comedian, as well as Chelsea Downs, the founder and managing director of New York Toy Collective. As always, remember to check out the episode notes for bonus content from the episode. Nikki, you became famous for dildo-related activity, I will say. Um, Guilty. Uh, and so I would love to know about how you started using dildos, what your first dildo was. Like, do you do you have a first dildo experience that you could share? That... I certainly do. I had my first serious girlfriend, and um, we decided that we needed to try strap-on sex. Uh, we had discovered, I think, by that time um, that she was very, how do I politely say, um, a squirter. Um, nice. And a so queen? penetration was uh, important. So we set off to figure out a way to get our hands on a strap-on. Um, and I had lived in our hometown, Columbus, forever, and there was this outrageous, notorious sex shop in like the heart of the gay part of town. Um, and I remember going and the guy was like, low key, like nodding off as he was speaking to us and not checking our IDs. And we were basically like, all right, we have like 35 bucks. We need a strap on, hook it up. And um, he introduced us to this purple number in a clamshell that was made out of like- Like a Polly Pocket case. Yes. Ugh, I love um, the best. This was like a purple jelly PVC material and like oh, nylon God. straps and a piece of foam <gasps> O-ring. Um, so we were like, perfect. Yeah. Um, it came with a little packet of lube, and we were on our way. Exactly. Yeah, that was. Um, my first dildo purchase and we took it back and we made it work pretty well for what it was. I found quickly that I felt very naturally inclined um, even though what we were using was painful and actively disintegrating. Um, Wait, how? Like, like the quality, the material of the dildo was um, like what could I even compare it to? Like something you don't want to put in your body, chemical, <laughs> yeah. plastic-wise, and it smelled <laughs> concerning. And um, after a certain number of uses, the material literally started to just like flake away. Ew. Um, I'm so sorry. Yeah, but you know, like I said, we made it work. We were um, young and carefree. Um, so after finding all of the freedom of hands and activities that you can accomplish with a strap-on. Um, we definitely started thinking like, wow, this is impressive and we should share this skill with the world because I don't think this is happening to everyone else. I don't um, necessarily have like 
a first dildo story. However, I do have a favorite dildo experience. So this was about like 2016-ish, I think. Um, I was living in Chicago at the time, and I was in a place where I was shooting a lot of pornography. There's pornography of like, I don't know, it was a, it was a wide variety of things from like um, more traditional to like absolutely depraved. Um, and it was great because my apartment on, was, was, we had a basement and on the main level, it was like really beautiful and like really open. And we used that for all of like the nice traditional stuff. And then the basement was disgusting. And so we used that for all the disgusting stuff. Um, so we had to have a lot of fun. And um, <laughs> like a queer home. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very queer. Um, and a friend of mine had recently gotten a new uh, suction cup dildo. And we were having a lot of fun with it, which included a lot of putting it on our foreheads. And I would do that a lot. And then another friend of mine suggested the idea of like someone writing it while it's on your forehead. <laughs> and, yeah, I was going to say you, you were doing that a lot like to be funny or you were doing that a lot to have sex. Oh, that's a great, great question. Yeah. At first it was all just to like be funny because it's like, look, I have a dick on my head, you know. Yeah. Um, but so then we were like, this is a great idea. We should turn this into a scene. And so there was people in town that I was shooting different like smut with. And um, we were like, what about with this idea if we did a scene where I am like bound and um, turned basically into an object and they like had like my mouth gagged and I was like bound and then we had the dildo on my forehead and then that was like being used. You had your eyes open. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm engaged, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. definitely, someone, anytime someone's sitting on or near my face, your, your I'm eyes engaged. are you're always awake. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. sense. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a details person. Um, <laughs> and so this went on for um, a period of time. I think it was like, you know, 30 to 45 minutes we're shooting this stuff. And it all goes well. <laughs> Casual. Casual, yeah, you know. Very fun, very chill. Um, and it was great. Everything looked great. It was fun and funny, but also hot and, yeah. you know, a little a little gross. Um, <laughs> you know, got to have a baseline of gross. Yeah. It's nice. It keeps you humble. It keeps you human. It keeps you human. Um, it keeps you primal. Um, and, <laughs> and so then I finally pop this thing off my forehead. And it's like, look. <laughs> and immediately this perfect circle oh. of just like purple and it was like if you know you know is one of those bruises what like, what the fuck else could it possibly no, like, be literally did you get your forehead cupped <laughs> like honestly you your forehead yeah. cupped. <laughs> it's like when i first started seeing like catholics around on ash wednesday mm. i'm like what, what, what is that <laughs> like it's a new version of catholicism <laughs> where you wear a dildo on yeah, your head exactly it's not that different from the old one no it no. hurts a little more yeah it's, it's yeah, it hurts much. a little bit more it's just modern modern take yeah um you know i feel like I feel like God would love that. God would love that. Mm -hmm. That'd be way more a celebration, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, right? I mean, he gave us some free will. How was it at work? Oh, it was weird at work. I definitely wore a <laughs> lot of hats real low. Where were you yeah. working at Like Fred Durst in <laughs> early thousands. At the time, I... Oh, God. I, I kind of tortured these people. I was... Because um, I was in my sluttiest phase when I worked here. <laughs> I was working at Intelligentsia Coffee as their in-house photographer, mm. um, and I was working based out of their offices in Chicago, and so I was amongst the corporate folks, and I would show up looking like I just got fucked in the broom closet like, <laughs> all of the time, and uh, like there was one time I showed up and I had like, I, 
all the hickeys like brutally all over myself and i showed up in literally like a low-cut v-neck and like a <laughs> denim vest and i literally had like a meeting with ceos and i just like i didn't give a fuck and they literally like <laughs> yeah we have to you have to share this picture in the, yeah in the notes because it is um it's intense it looks like shocking. yeah it looks like i was attacked yes um yes ravaged. by a bear yeah but instead i was literally begging for it yeah um yeah it's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's beauty. It's love. Petite yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit. It's just how love is expressed. Like, you know what? This is just who I am. If I'm going to be a slut, I have to own it. If I'm going to be a pornographer, I have to own it. Yeah. And people and, write it across your forehead. Write it across your forehead. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, um, I think that's my favorite dildo experience thus far. It's a choice wow. yeah. for favorite. Mm-hmm. I feel you. like that's telling you that is your favorite. <laughs> yeah, no, it speaks to who I am as a person for sure. Yeah. So one of my first jobs in what is technically the adult industry was actually at a sex shop, like a novelty store that was in my hometown, and it was called The Garden. It was kind of a legendary place because it was run by a really wild man who was like famously an alcoholic surrounded by crazy family dramas, like a family business. It's like the Tiger King of dildos. Um, The Tiger King of dildos. Yeah, I've always said that it's one of my life goals to make a, um, a worthy documentary on that family and their shops. Or a TV show. Or a TV show. You wouldn't want to watch... The Tiger King of Tiger dildos. King slash The Office of <laughs> Dildos. Come on, that sounds amazing. Yes. It's our next project. Yeah, no one's stealing. Pun intended. <laughs> when we bought the terrible strap on, we also bought a movie um, that was supposed to be like punk porn. Punk lesbian porn, and I thought it was going to be the greatest thing of all time. And um, it was a DVD. We popped it in, and it was not good at all. And we were like, okay, this is like fake lesbian porn, fake punk. Like, no. But either way, I, at the time, with the uh, first girlfriend of mine, um, lived in this like feminist punk house, which I have referred to all throughout my career just because I learned about like what queer porn was there. We had like a safe space sign on the door of the house and it was like a place where there were house shows and like poetry slams and house meetings about like how we could be the most eco-friendly and the most like a co-op living style. This was in Columbus, Ohio on OSU campus. So it's like all gender studies, women's studies majors like the the feminist punks, um, which I was coming out of my era in the like street punk crusty boy crackhead scene. Yeah. Um so hot vibes. Yeah. When I came out I like transitioned out of that part of the punk scene into the like feminist punks. Um, as really a good as a baby dyke, which is like very healing and a good safe. nest to drop into is the feminist punks. Exactly. Um, the, yeah, they were they were they were amazing um very caring and saw my need for some uh feminism <laughs> but um yeah they <laughs> nothing a little baby mask needs more than yeah feminism. i was like just ro- like a bottle <laughs> exactly um i was rolling with the crusty like 
crackhead heroin boys beforehand. So it was very nurturing and they saw me displeased with my purchase of fake lesbian porn and they were like, oh, well, there's queer porn. And so I discovered like crash pad and um, queer porn tube and Courtney Treble's projects and all that. Um, so at that point I was like, okay, I can see how I could weasel my way into this. Like this is a little more achievable. Um, so that was my first thing that I kind of tackled. Um, I did work my way into queer porn. And then after realizing like through multiple experiences that porn is very nuanced in experience, <laughs> um, like I, I had some rough first few scenes and then I was like, okay, I like this. I want to make a, a thing of this. Uh, this queer porn thing doesn't really pay as much as it would if I were to like kind of sell out and go work for like a major studio. And so I went back to that DVD of the fake lesbian punks and I was like, I'm going to find these fools. And <laughs> it's uh, a good master plan. It was like, it was very a hole in the market. Yeah, I was like these I can These women also don't look like they're having the best time. Yeah, I was exactly. I was like I can the make service. this work. Yeah. I want to facilitate this and represent people that look like me because they weren't really shooting people that looked like me. It was yeah. a lot more like um kind of you're like San Francisco brand like yes queers and yes. I was like more of this kind of like edgy tattooed yeah uh, uh young dyke vibe yeah you weren't, you weren't wearing the rainbow bow tie no <laughs> not quite sorry it's... you guys I'm sorry I laughed about the rainbow bow tie that is my work to undo and I apologize to the community for laughing at that I that is my own self-hatred that came through and I'm sorry you're forgiven. So, but, but then, so it sounds like you were learning that like, okay, so there's this like super good ethical side that I really love, but at this point in time, there might not be a lot of money in that. Yeah, exactly. Like those companies were like, you can do literally whatever you want on camera, but we only pay half the amount that like a regular like lesbian porn scene pays right. where they tell you exactly what you have to do and it sucks. So I was like, well, all right, I'm down to push my boundaries and uh, do whatever I have to do to like make this my full-time gig. Again, went back to that DVD and I was like, okay, I'm gonna apply to work for these people. Didn't hear back over the internet. Um, and I was like, okay, well, they're gonna be at this convention six hours away, so I'll drive to it and I'll walk up to them and ask them why aren't they casting me. Uh, so I did that and as I was walking up, the owner of the company was like, oh my God, why haven't we shot you? And I was like, I don't know, I've been trying. And she turned to her business partner and he was like, oh, that's, that's the lesbian who only wants to shoot lesbian stuff. So like, why would we fly them out to make like 600 bucks? And I was like, look, I can fly for free. I have a buddy pass, family members, flight attendant. Like, let me show up. Just book me for a fucking lesbian scene and we'll go from there. Um, so they did. And I went and did it and it was sick. And they were like, 
a whole little crew. And I was like, I can fit into this. These are like punks that make porn and they live in LA and they make it work. I was like, I'll work for you all the time. I'm gonna move out here. And they were like, okay. Every bitch that we fly out here says that, okay. <laughs> uh, but then I showed up like a month later. So it sounds like you get to LA and you are settling into your new chosen family life. That sounds kind of idyllic. Yeah, I, I had spent the past like almost half decade already as such a child still, um, like existing in these punk communities where it was very like nurturing and whatever. And I kind of thought that moving to LA and finding this like chosen family within porn would be very like much the same possibilities as it would be like in my hometown and it I I did find a lot of comfort and like community and everything but also like it was not a queer community it was yeah. still like me existing in this little family that was like me working for a porn studio yeah. my click of the porn industry was definitely like the punks and the weirdos um, that seemed like kind of like the most open-minded of the bunch. Um, but they were still not like queer people, um, which I kind of had experienced the two going hand in hand. Um, but there was one funny instance, <sighs> this crazy trip to Canada where <laughs> we basically the concept of vr porn had just become a thing and what is, what is vr porn i'm sorry I'm... vr porn is virtual reality porn where you wear a headset and based on how it's shot whether it's voyeuristic or point of view you're like placed into the scene and when you wear the headset you can look around physically Whoa. and it's that like place very hard to shoot it's shot it's like these, immersive exactly it's shot with these crazy camera rigs that shoot 360 Jesus. um full room view um and it's really tricky because there's like optics issues and if right. you place yourself wrong like it can glitch really bad that sounds extremely difficult it's super difficult and my little home base company uh, at the time had decided like need to invest in this new venture of VR porn so we're gonna find a company that can help us make this happen and so it was basically like two weeks surrounding Christmas we're gonna fly to Canada and be in this cabin and it's gonna be really cozy and cute and there's gonna be all these performers and they're gonna help us shoot a bunch of virtual reality scenes. We're gonna launch the VR portion of the site. And it was like an opportunity to make money and be fun because it's with our little fam. And so we ended up in Canada in this cabin and it was like multiple days of shooting with this ragtag group of Canadians. <laughs> um, they provided us with the male talent, mostly for the trip, who were men who like hadn't really done a lot of porn. Mm. And another thing about the VR situation is that like 
these cameras are like big crazy rigs and a male talent basically had to be able to like be the person that you're seeing when you look around in this virtual right. world so it's a matter of them like laying underneath the camera rig so that the viewer can like look down and see their body but not their head obviously right so it's a matter of like them laying down with a hard dick and not moving wow and completing the scene with like not moving and not being able to look down and really engage and oh so the fact God. that like it's all these inexperienced dudes and like being a male performer and keeping your dick hard and coming on command is a whole thing that sounds extremely difficult so lots of flaccid dicks and nightmares um <laughs> and so my ex-wife and i at the time were new enough in our relationship to where like even amidst that chaos we still wanted to have sex with each other <laughs> and we were in our room in the cabin when the director burst in the door and saw me strap on fucking her from behind and like she watches us have sex with people for a living and <laughs> directs it but her bursting in and seeing us doing it naturally in the wild um her response was like not like oh my god i'm sorry but like oh my god like you guys actually do that because I was fucking her with a dildo from behind and doggy with a strap on and she actually thought that lesbian sex was maybe not that involved. I don't really know what she thought it entailed. I know she mentioned something along the lines of like lesbians don't like have sex. And it's just like these kinds of interactions with that like matriarch of the community where I was like, okay, this is not like a queer yeah, one hundred percent. That must have been really scary after you had like committed so hard this into was this world. Years in, yeah. deep in. <laughs> yeah, like, and yeah. I was just like, wow. Um, That's so. You had no idea, yeah. even though she watches you guys have sex all the time. Yeah, she assumes you're just doing it for the male gaze of the camera, and you're yeah. not doing it because like anyone would receive pleasure. Like, what do you think we do? Like literally, also, the fact that you think strap-ons only exist for the male gaze is one of the most ridiculous things I've like ever heard. It's like everyone it's can enjoy a dildo. Yeah. Without without it mattering who's seeing them do it. Yeah, it's just it's just such a misunderstanding of the whole concept of dildo, which yeah. is for the male gaze, which is like the opposite of what a dildo should be. It's like we invented dildos so that we didn't have to engage with the male gaze. Yeah, literally. Exactly. And you can't even see one without it. It's so sad. It's layers. <laughs> layers to that trauma from my porno mama. <laughs> uh, well, mothers pass us down, you know, generational wounds, and you unfortunately had to receive the, the dildo wound. That's okay. I. I That's what I call my hole, too, by the way. <laughs> the dildo <laughs> wound. <laughs> the wound that never heals. <laughs> oh, what is a hole but a wound that never heals? This season, M, A, and myself invited our friends and community members into conversation. These combos investigate the theme of our episodes, look at the experiences of different queer people, and also always include what song our interviewees would want played at their funeral. Next up is an interview with Robbie Hoffman, who is a brilliant comedian, a writer, prolific headliner of comedy festivals, and true original. Um, we talk about 
dildos and a whole bunch of other things, and I hope you enjoy it. By the way, I don't know what this podcast is about. If- Nikki was like the first, the first person I saw in, now I'm going to embarrass you, but like I, the first person I saw where I was like, oh, I think that's how you use a strap on when I was watching <laughs> in college. And I was like, oh, like, cool. And okay, I had like. I got to watch because you know what? I fall in and out of, I feel like rhythmically I'm off and that could be cultural. Yeah, I was gonna say that might I be the Judaism. I definitely think that might be the Jewish, <laughs> you know. But I, but also I also haven't like since three been humping. Mm. I feel like you know, men and we'll infer cis men have most have they've been like practicing a long time. Yeah. And me after like five minutes, I'm like, if I think too much about it, it's off. If I don't think about it, it's much better. But then I'm like, I it's hard to go long. Yeah. It's 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 physically exhausting. It's kind of like dancing. We're learning to skateboard. Ooh, I love I, that. I also say that about like learning to perform porn because it's not you don't just have sex. Like clearly, yeah, you're performing. Yeah, um, and same with a lot of the sex acts. It's like, especially strap-ons more than anything because it's obviously not completely natural. Um, but right. it's the awkwardness of it that, that like I I almost I might do strap-on sex a couple times and then almost never touch it again for long periods because it's just the the, the ordeal of it i know is so intense it's, it's so production. it's like so I, I don't it's unbecoming <laughs> yeah yeah i got it any any harness tips what are you what are we using folks Spare parts, all the way. Spare, Spare parts. Spare parts. I gotta check them out. Do we have a discount code for the listeners? We we, we, we will, and we can. I'm really good with dildo. I have really good prosthetics. Ooh. Like I actually, you know what I'm realizing? We're talking about trans sex. I normally tell my friends about the kinds of prosthetics and stuff they could get. Like Did you my tell us? my mask friends. Mm. Like yeah, I have. I've always liked Gender Cat. I have their mm. Packer. Mm. Um, I had the three inch, I like their old squishy packer. I have the new for reals junior packer. Mm. I'm small. So they do a junior, I guess, which is for trans kids, which obviously I'm against, but <laughs> are we on a comedy podcast? <laughs> Test in the waters. Devil emoji, devil emoji. <laughs> um, so I got the junior and it has like, it's just modeled after over. It, it looks really good. The texture of it isn't as smooth as the other one. Mm. And it might feel realer, but I guess because I'm used to fake ones, I don't need it to. I like yeah. that. That feels realer to me. So, um, and it has like the movable balls and they're, but they're very, they're small. That's they're not nice. like these massive. I had the first prosthetic I had, which for those listening, prosthetic, it's a dildo, but they call it a prosthetic because many people, trans people use them as a prosthetic and use them less dildo-like and more like an extension of themselves. So I use it kind of interchangeably because sometimes I'm packing and it's a prosthetic and sometimes it's sexual and it's a dildo. So I use it all. But so my favorite is the gender cat. I have the small packer um, and I also have the pack and play, the hard, the super hard, which I use for fucking and it has a pleasure sleeve in the back. Oh, yeah. Which like sucks your clit. My clit, I don't feel like I can always really use it, but I like the idea of it. Um, those are my favorite. I miss when nobody knew about it. I was just me in the corner. Now people are like, what's going on? I'm like, what do you mean what's going on? <laughs> you know, now I got it. Now people are looking and they're like, what's going on with Robbie? I'm like, I was just doing my own weird shit in this yeah, corner. Stop and now everybody's looking. 
By the way, have we addressed why I'm wearing sunglasses? I forgot my indoor glasses at home. These are prescription. If I take them off, I can't see. <laughs> I like this. These are them. prescription. Robbie, I actually think sunglasses indoors is really good looking. Okay, I'm not yeah. doing Bring it back. Uh, well, Bring, I'm it. Not Bring it back. Cool Bring McCool. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> seeing you at the Oscars in a tuxedo. You did exactly what I would do and immediately explain it to every person you meet. Literally. Like, this, this is who I am. Trust no, me. No, it isn't. <laughs> I want to relate and connect and look into people's eyes. I'm, I'm, I know I'm on the spectrum of some kind, but I can look at an eye. Yeah. Right? <laughs> okay. I can meet okay, an eye, yeah, okay? Yeah. What do you I think have? of a signed female at birth and a signed male at birth? Just the language. So long. It's, it's long. A lot. It's a, a mouthful. long? I don't know who. Also, it recreates like... a binary. If you're no, it used incorrectly, no, it it's because, not good. Yeah, then it just gives people a specific way that now they're going to look at you and treat you. And it's like, no, fuck that. I don't want anything to do with you. No. Like, whatever. It's yeah. so. It's icky. And it's observed or looked at. It's just like, yeah. it should just be dick pussy or large clit. Or, like, that's what it should be. <laughs> right? Like, just yeah. like. You can draw yeah. it. Like, it's yeah, weird just draw it. like an assignment. It makes me think the doctor's like, oh, my you. Like, and I'm like, don't look at me. I'm a baby. <laughs> like, Get your face. you a pedophile? <laughs> yeah, like, literally, that's, that's what fucking gender reveals are to me. Like, you're like now just telling a group of people what genitals your fucking baby has. That's what you're doing. And we're the perverts? We're, they're obsessed no. with genitals. The genital thing, I'm like, can't get over just it. calm down. They Maybe they're it. not saying the genitals. Maybe they're saying the gender. Well, they don't know how that baby identifies. Maybe they do. How? Some babies are very smart. <laughs> <laughs> there is that boss baby I keep hearing about. Okay. <laughs> okay. Boss baby is a man. Uh, it is annoying, though, that, like, that long acting. It's just like... I almost feel like we've gone full circle. We tried it all out and we go right back. Boy, girl, I'd rather not say. <laughs> I know. We, just, we Honestly, belong in the rather not say. I, I really like the three genders being boy, girl, and rather not say. I personally. Rather not say. I'm also always going to be a rather not say. Even okay, I identify rather not say. Okay, there was a good shame that was a part of that. It made me feel seen. You knew it was for you. You knew something was wrong. If you're looking at that box. Hovering over that box. It's rather... boy, girl, rather not say. That should be the name of this pod episode. Rather not say. <laughs> rather not say. There it is. Well, many people in my relationship being public. Oh, yeah. a couple How... count, you know, a couple people. Just very happy for Gabby. Less happy for me. A couple comments that I'm ugly. But I'm actually a cutie. <laughs> you're very I'm cute. I'm actually a cutie. You're a very cute. So it's cute. inaccurate. I happen to be quite cute. You are very cute. Anyone very who cute. says you're not cute can come fuck with me. Exactly. Bitches. Um, how is it being thrust into the public spotlight? I'm a media sensation. <laughs> you are. Okay. You were born a media sensation. Yes, I'm a media sensation. <laughs> no, that's very good. They needed a little Trump energy in the Bachelor Nation. <laughs> they really and did. And I came in hot with it. So it's perfect. <laughs> that's nice. No, I won The Bachelor. It's excellent. Yeah, you, you, literally <laughs> you literally did. You literally did. I got the final rose. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> the only person who's ever deserved that rose. One song to play at but what whose funeral? Your funeral. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. I'm not even giving I'm not even humoring that with an answer. Beautiful. That was an answer. Sick. Shana Tova to everybody listening. A happy and sweet new year and an easy fast. I have a podcast. It's actually doing quite well. It's called Too Far with Robbie Hoffman and Rachel Callie. Find it wherever podcasts are. Uh, and for any nudes, uh, check out my Instagram, Robbie Hoffman. Ha, ha, ha.
Okay, Nikki, do you have any advice on strap-ons, dildos, strap-ons in particular, honestly? You're going to have to step into my advice corner because I've got it all. Nikki's <laughs> advice corner. <laughs> Nikki, as, a, as um, a routine user, now that you've been past the nylon scabs phase, <laughs> what is some advice you could give people about using strap-ons? Unfortunately, like I said earlier, um, investing in quality products is like the most important thing, which I hate because capitalism and access, um, but it is very important mm -hmm. to get quality materials um, to avoid scabs and also internal infections and such. What should people look um, for? The harness is the most important for the wearer, um, for like control of wielding the dick. Um, so I always go with spare parts as a brand. Um, I should be sponsored by them at this point because um, I've only ever used spare parts. And I prefer the like underwear brief style uh, but they have a bunch of different styles, but they're just the most, like, versatile, easy to put on, comfortable, and, like, controllable um, harness that I've ever found. Um, but as far as the dick goes, that's more important to the person receiving. Um, and it's all about, A, quality, like, you want something that's a high-quality silicone. Um, and then size and shape and texture and everything I feel like should be up to the person receiving and it's highly dependent on like their anatomy and desire um, but yeah I I use a lot of um, Vic Skin and New York Toy Collective um, those are probably my top two brands um, dildo wise Obviously, lube is important as well, and with any of those silicone dicks, you want to use a water-based lube. Maybe a hybrid if you're really good about washing your toys after you use them, but I didn't say that. Um, silicone lube on a silicone toy will make it disintegrate. As far as, like, initiating strap-on sex with your partner goes, that's, like, a whole other thing, and figuring out, like, who's down to wear it and who's down to receive it, and... Um, getting comfy with all that I I feel like that is like a part of being queer that we don't talk about very often um, as far as like finding um, what feels right with like gender affirming toys it feels weird sometimes calling them sex toys because we use them so like innately in our sex yeah. um, so I think it's just really important to honestly communicate with your partner what you want and don't want. No, but th that aspect of it is honestly a huge difference that I noticed when I came out and started having queer sex versus when I was having sex when I thought I was straight and yeah. living straight. And the biggest difference was that having queer sex, this this the focus was whoever was receiving something um, you, you you now get to have you now get to be treated in the way that you want to be had like had sex with rather than the way the other person wants to have sex with you yeah and it becomes more the focus of like yeah. the person receiving the act now has 
control. The control of that and now yeah. has power of that whereas before for me it seemed the the opposite way yeah and so for me like that was a huge revelation yeah. when i had queer sex for the first time yeah and like i feel like that plays a lot into what you were saying about you know you need to have that conversation that's huge. huge the next interview is with chelsea downs who is the founder and managing director of new york toy collective Downs paved the road with many industry firsts, more skin tones, uncut packers, and the first company to have a nationally distributed STP, and much more. What started as a passion project for herself and the queer community has expanded into a full line of gender affirmation products, now more accessible than ever through the website toycollective.com, Etsy, and retail locations in all 50 states. Like food, rest, and movement, Chelsea believes sex and authenticity are essential components of well-being. In this interview, Chelsea and I talk about uh, what inspired her to start New York Toy Collective, as well as a little bit about the journey to her success today. When did you find yourself um, thinking, I need to start a dildo company? Um. (laughs) Yeah. So I never had that thought of, I need to start a dildo company. I would go to this sex sex party, I guess you could call it, that still exists today, but it was very different back then. It's called Submit. It's in this, like, uh, gross basement. It's not gross. It's just a basement, so it smells and feels like a basement in Globlin. And it was a space that was had different parties, like, uh, with different themes. So there might be, like, a men's night, like, a spy night. Like, there were different types of events happening in the basement, but the space was, like, a dedicated sex space in that like there was like a labyrinth of like glory holes and nooks and like that that's all it was and um and what around what year is this so this is gonna be like the early 2000s this okay. is this is like when everyone had blackberries okay that was like the, it was like good to have maybe two-way pagers were still kind of big that's um that gives a good yeah. i can i can picture it now <laughs> yeah uh it was different and the internet had not taken off. I think like Facebook was it and MySpace was dead at the time. So like right around a couple of years after like the Jersey Jersey Shore peak. Okay. But it was really great because I could see uh, um, people and particularly like women having sex and like really enjoying it and being free. And that's, it's very rare to see like real people having sex. Like, you know, pornography is everywhere, but that's, that's not, that is like a performance uh, uh, that is choreographed to like make beautiful angles. Yes, for lack of a better term. absolutely. Like it's, absolutely. It's like dance almost, right? Like it's, but it's not really the way real people would react or the way real bodies would react and, and, and things like that. I would go to that party and it was in Brooklyn, so I had to take the train there most of the time. And, um, I didn't. I don't like carrying things, like at all. I don't like carrying bags or keeping track track of things. But I would, you know, you have to bring. If you're gonna like have fun, you have to bring your, your bag of fun stuff with you. Right. And I just like hated it. I hated carrying it on the train. And also, like we're not. This is, we're talking about like a backpack or like a gym bag. We're not talking about like a duffel bag here. Right. Um, but it was just very annoying to me. Also, since it was a basement, the whatever you were wearing or whatever you brought there kind of smelled like basement for like the next day after. So I didn't really want to put my bag down. And uh, I remember I had the jock by Spare Parts at the time. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's so much better. Because before that, I just had like leather harnesses. Right. Which 
are great, especially if you like really love leather. But if you are like don't want to have to change into a leather harness, the fabric harnesses are definitely the way to go. So that's sure. obviously like a perfect invention. I was like, oh, I wish there was like a dildo that I could just wear, so I didn't have to carry this bag. Like I wanted something that I could wear on the train that didn't look like I had an erection, <laughs> like that I could wear discreetly. Yeah. And then essentially like pack it like play and then like put it away that was like what I wanted I had just been thinking about that and I had been complaining about it <laughs> for a while and now we're in a point where iPad has come out iPad 2 has come out so it has the camera on the front and the back which is like a massive breakthrough in technology yes and it's like how can they have like I like iPad 2 with like cameras and these like magical iPhones and like I can't like have a dildo that I can just like wear on the fucking train like this is ridiculous yeah so then I was just like all right well I can either keep complaining about it or I can do something about it and um at that time I had a girlfriend who was like very into science and engineering right and so she like knew about this and like also detail oriented. I'm much more like a big thinker than something detailed. Like you don't want me um, like giving surgery or anything like that. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that precise. So uh, I was like, okay, like how, how should this be done? So the first thing is like, you need a design, right? Like what shape is it going to be? So that was like right. question. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like we, uh, like what if we like, like real people, like real, like cast of like real penises and try and do that. So I put up a post on Craigslist, <laughs> like two <laughs> As you do. Uh, uh -huh. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a bunch of people replied, but two people replied with like some follow through. And one person was like a regular person who also like recorded it on their phone. It was they were very them for, there for themselves, not for me. And the <laughs> issue is that uh, for to make a mold, it has to be it needs to say you have to be still. But most most people with penises are not used to being still and holding erections. Yeah, As that's they're almost in right. So that is the issue. They want to move. But you can't move, or else it's we're not gonna get any shape. So that was like wow. experience number one. And then the second person was, uh, I guess I guess he was a porn star. That's what he said. And so he even like took a pill before he did it. Like he was ah. really trying to do the job, and he was excited, ah. but still couldn't be still and do it. And then my next idea was to have uh, like a Frankenstein dick, like to take all the elements from different. But that doesn't work either because for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, that... So then the next model was actually made out of clay, which was Shiloh, and that worked. I am like looking online and I'm like, oh, I can get it like 3D scanned and adjusted. So then I'm calling around and calling around. I finally find someone who will do it for maybe like two or $300 in Atlanta. So I wrap it up, this piece of clay, and I ship it down to them. And they do it. They make this file. And then I made another post on Craigslist, being like, can anybody print like a 3D file? 
and um, one person replied, and he was he said he was he had a small three D printer, so it would take him a long time, mm-hmm. and he would have to glue it together in parts. But he was going through a divorce, and so he was up all night anyway, <laughs> and he had like a teenage son. Like I, I know knew a lot about this man. <laughs> oh my god! And then it was time. Then like you can make a mold off of a positive, and then like pour into a mold. So it was that, and then it was figuring out what would give it the flexibility, and I really. Eh, mm. You're... And then, like, what type of materials? That took a ton of, like, troubleshooting. I can only imagine that is, like, your um, your thing, the, the posability to be able to put it on and wear it under the pants on the train. Um, yeah. And I feel like you have managed to do it better than anyone else. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, let's see. Some of the cool stuff we have. Uh, we have binders, a lot of packers. We also have uncut packers. We're like the first to do that and also make smaller packers for smaller frame people. Um, And we also make youth packers, but those are only available on Etsy and through a few merchants because we don't want people ordering them by mistake. And um, like best known for Shiloh, the dildo, which is the like original one that like I was wearing on the train <laughs> once it existed and uh Carter is also really great too it's just a bit girthier and big um, fan we branched off into a lot of other things like we have lube toy cleaner pumps people really enjoy the pumps yeah uh, I, I guess I I forgot we didn't even mention how much since where we we focus so much on the origin story but your company really has grown to become this huge um, gender affirming product um, company as a whole. It's pretty wild. It is wild, right? I have a lot of really fond dildo memories, just like fond, just like, you know, in, in the treasure chest of good memories. I feel like us trans masks yeah. tend to stack those memories. Yeah, they're nice. We try. And- we hope. Fun and like innocent. Um, and not that innocent is good, but just I find dildos to be quite innocent <laughs> in, in certain ways. Was this episode not your idea because you love the word I dildos? I love the word dildos. When I got to college, I was like for the first time in my 18 year old memory after coming out of hellish, hellish, hellish high school and a very disturbed childhood was like, I'm in gay heaven. Everyone wants to have sex with me. And I'm weirdly perceived as like extremely hot and powerful here. And everyone listens to what I say. It was great. Um, <laughs> definitely went to my head a little bit. Yeah, but sounds like for the most part. The beginning of your memoir. <laughs> this is the beginning of the end. Um, anyway, my first sexual experience I'd ever had, uh, which is another in- extreme privilege. Um, is was with a trans guy um, who was who I was like madly in love with and obsessed with, and so we started having sex and it was it was wonderful. I was like totally in love with him and he had had a lot more sex than I had because he had been at Smith College for three years, so he had had a lot of gay sex. So I got just very over enthusiastic really fast because I was like, this is really fun. This is just like you get to just feel good all the time and like you're just yeah. And we have very similar relationships to our bodies, and it was just like really cool. Um, so I was like, I want to try 
a strap on. I wanted, but I went to the store and the strap stuff was like really triggering like rock climbing. And I really like the belay things. And also just like, I was like, I'm not good with straps. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna look and see if there's something that doesn't involve so many strappy bits. Uh, and Smart. so I found a double-ended dildo, which I thought, because I didn't, I probably had sex like three times or four times before this, but like really didn't know anything, was like, that will be really easy to use. And that just looks simpler and more fun. Um, turned out, no, very complicated. Like physically, <sighs> seeming almost impossible to use. A true exercise. Truly like, you need to be an athlete to use something like that. You need to be the winner of the crab walk in the relay <laughs> race. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know who has those skills, but not I. Um, and so it just went. It just went unused. And my mother try found it. it and got all. It, and definitely the last time we used it, we didn't clean it. And so then it was just like Christ. really gross. And it just would like linger around my mother's apartment for years. And like, every time I like look under the bed, it would be like there haunting me. Okay, A, let's ask you to share what words of wisdom do we need today about certain Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about recently is I feel like it's really prevalent, um, especially after social media became what it is, is people worrying about, I mean, worrying about how people see you, worrying about how they see each other, worrying about being cool, worrying about people seeing you as, like, doing something foolish or silly. As someone who was, like, tortured growing up for various things about being different, and like being like wrong because of it. Um, I hate to see people in our community then grow up and now they're considered like cool and hot. And so now they become those people. I know that like trauma yeah. begets trauma, but like, you know, I, I hate seeing That's that. True. We have to open our arms to each other. I know these are your mm -hmm. words of wisdom, but you know, I Thank love you. to talk. People have a lot of difficulty empathizing with lived experiences beyond their own. And I think that that's a huge problem that like, People, because like yeah of course it's easier to understand someone who's been through the same things you have but I've seen like a huge problem with people like not even be able to like empathize or like show care for people who have had experiences that they haven't shared because they can't like fathom to understand what that person went through and like for me like that's I, that's all about like what listening is Just and like the beginning of like the ability to see outside of your lived experience mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. okay like you feel so strongly about like how this affects you and how obviously you perceive it but like just pause and maybe think about like people who have experienced other things yeah exactly uh, right. maybe perceive this all <laughs> a little differently and it may affect them differently yeah it is yeah, it is brutal it's, it but... is like something that I think requires some healing I I make mm -hmm. it sound snarky and like a simple thing but I think it is like a, a thing that requires some like therapy oh, yeah. and intention to like get Absolutely. to the place of being able to see outside of yourself and like I feel like a large part of I mean at least to me and the way that my life is going right now of like caring for others in a way that I would want to be cared for is a lot a lot of it takes place with like my my portrait sessions that I give to people um I I you know offer these little I do photography I offer these portrait sessions and most of the time I've been offering them for a few years now and most of the time it's people who have had 
zero like little to no experience being photographed they're like there's some people literally like the last time i had my picture taken was my senior portrait and i'm just like and and, and that's just like hard for me to hear because like i know i totally understand that experience but i'm like that hurts me knowing knowing what having taking my own photograph and being photographed by others has done for me in an emotional and physical way where it has helped me to see myself in a way that i couldn't before and, and to relate to like my corporal vessel in a way that I never have before. And I love being able to provide that for people in a situation where they are now pushing beyond that level of discomfort because they feel like that they can trust me to like hold them in that way and create this experience for them and be able to like be open and vulnerable because it is a vulnerable thing to like have your photograph taken. And like, so for me, that's like huge and so like, so flattering. Yeah. And a lot of times these people will come in and I mean, they'll be nervous for a variety of reasons, but one of them is because they perceive me as someone based on social media and like, you know, thinking like I'm cool or thinking I'm this and that because, you know, I have a lot of followers or like I do cool things or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I really, no, cool. thank you. But no, I, I'm not. And I love to burst that bubble. And that's my favorite part of this whole thing is I, want to like bring them to this level of comfort by bursting that yeah. bubble as soon as possible because I want them to know like no we are literally like the same and like I I I will show them that I'm not afraid of like looking foolish or being silly and I will do silly shit I will literally like wave my arms around like a fucking cartoon character to break the ice and like be like no look like I'm stupid I'm silly we can do these things and like and no one is better than anyone and like for me that's what it's all about and that's for me a large part of like what my community care is and honestly not to just like bring it back to dildos for the sake of it but <laughs> i do think that dildos are a great way for people to start especially people who've never used one the process of getting your body you know i'm not saying every everyone has a different body you don't have to like dildos or use them at all but i do think that like trying something as scary as working with a dildo for the first time is is a level of like bravery and self-knowledge that i think a lot of people could learn from mm -hmm. foreign yet intimate mm -hmm. foreign yet intimate just go go to your local queer sex shop buy an expensive but well well oiled suction dildo and uh, just put it on your best friend's forehead put it on your best friend's forehead ride it into the sunset <laughs> our show was recorded by Jacob Masters. Follow him at High School Jacob on Instagram. Our producer is Sophie Litwalk. Check her out at Sophie's underscore Art Studio. Sarah McNamara was our sound engineer. Thanks to all of our guests. Please let us know what you think in the comments at Queer the Air Pod.